1: welcome to another co- exciting episode of the comic book chronicles yeah! <laughs> i am your host Roddy cats and you can find me at Roddy cats on twitter you can also find me at news news need on twitter you can also find me at Caps on instagram And of course, that sound effect you hear comes from none other than one uh, our man in Brooklyn. Don't uh, no sleep till Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in the house. Uh, never take your shorts, cause Brooklyn's the borough. All of that. One agent underscore seventy. What's
0: up, everybody? We're Brooklyn. We're Brooklyn. We're
1: Brooklyn. At? Just I need, uh, to, bring that. I need no, to bring that. sound. To- Say so what?
0: No, I got. I got to I got to say that uh you know every time I hear the applause this is what's we were just talking about what's missing from watching sport live sports nowadays because there's no crowd hearing our crowd noise piped in still gets me hyped still gets me pumped still gives me that like little surge um at the start of the show to get things moving so and definitely appreciate that you know it's funny that we were literally just talking about what's different about watching sports in uh, the covid era and, uh, you know, even though they are piping in sound the same way we are, you know, it's, it's not the same, but at the same time, it does help.
1: That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So basically, uh, I'm not to speak for him, but yeah, we, we got these sounds because we like to make our ourselves feel better, <laughs> 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 but now it's like, you know, just little, little touches here and there. It's all good. Um, but, um, but to keep going on with the, with the show intro, um, well, you can find this here podcast on the Cold of the Podcast Network, cspn.us. Do it today. Word. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You can also find us um, recording on both... Uh the V Click Nations YouTube channel and now on Twitch, twitch.tv slash common book chronicles. And if you are watching us right now from over there, hey, how you doing?
0: What's up, Twitch?
1: Indeed, indeed, indeed. In fact, I need to doubly make sure that it's going on over there. It's going over there. And it is. So excellent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of juggling some plates here while I'm doing this intro, but in the meantime, we are going to get into the Clicks of uh, not Nope, nope, that's way too early for that. Uh, we're going to get into the books of the week. Clicks of the week comes ah. later, folks. Um, and we're going to start off with uh, Ten of Swords creation number one.
0: Yeah, this is the uh this is the big kickoff
1: to the Ten
0: of Swords crossover. We have had essentially two prelude issues to this that set up how we are um essentially having the uh ex characters on Krakoa transport themselves to Otherworld. And that was essentially the 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 crux of those two prelude stories. But now we have the beginning the proper beginning of this crossover
1: or x-men event
0: everything okay right
1: yeah 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 i'm just doing doing some checks but yeah um but so when i first when i first read this i was like and i was like let me not say anything before we get to this because uh, as, I, as you just said, that there was a couple of setup issues, and there was also things that are were going on in like uh, specifically Excalibur, right? Uh, that led up to this, and I mean other books also, because you know Cable a little bit, and X Men uh, proper, and you know the other books. Some of the stuff has been weaving through, but definitely part of this story is uh, hooked into the parts that uh, is coming out of Excalibur. And I was like, "Well, wait a minute. Something feels like it's missing here." Until I got to a certain point, of like, "Nope, no, we're good. That's everything is <laughs> like, now everything well, falls I'll in line." I'll
0: was... ring the spoiler bell so we can talk about what's missing because I wanted to mention a few things that I, you know, uh, that I observed reading this issue. So I'm going to ring the spoiler bell. Right. So anyone who still has not yet read Ten of Swords Creation Number One, please fast forward a bit. In three, two, one. Right. So my first observation, I don't know if this plays into what you were about to say, but I I, I noted that if you thought Ten of Swords was going to play out like a big AD&D campaign, you were right. You know, this is Hickman (laughs) and Tinney Howard co-writing this issue, and it shows.
1: Right. I actually didn't think about that part about it, but I could see where – yeah, I could – actually see where that comes in yeah
0: yeah i mean you know our opening scene is literally uh you know seems like it's almost pulled from uh uh the lord of the rings the two towers you know this is you know we're almost uh we're we're, we're essentially at um the battle of helms deep
1: yeah okay now that part yeah you're right about that part and i think i did because i think i did I noticed that part because I'm like, okay, yeah, they're really just just kind of getting in here, <laughs> you know. I mean,
0: I'm looking at this like, wow, that, that that really bears a striking resemblance to the events of Helms Deep, so the Battle of Helms Deep, so um, it was, uh, you know, it, it was pretty striking. I wanted to really mention, you know, just in 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 sum, that this issue more so than the prelude issues that we were just referencing which as i said serve to serve to you know tell us how we're going to get from point a Krokoa, to point b which is other world and and uh and, and uh and the starlight citadel and whatnot um that though that, that that was the uh the, the point of the two prelude issues but now we have in this issue and i'm i'm reminded of this particular term and what i'm referring to is lore and that's you know and and this is what happens when uh i get together with uh, extended family and friends who uh are big role players they still do role playing now and then and they they were part of a big ad and d um crew that i that i rolled with here and there back in the day so they brought up the word lore over the weekend, and I was like, oh, we're actually getting, this past weekend that is, and I was like, oh, we're actually getting a big lore dump in this book. Yeah. It's a gigantic dump of info um, that helps to set up why we should care about apocalypses, apocalypses, long history, which sets up this entire story. Mm-hmm. He's the crux of this story. I mean, his history is the crux of this story. So, right. That is essentially the the you know, the important aspects that you should take from this book, which is this particular issue, which is it sets up it, it sets up the the uh, the conflict, and it really does dump a lot of lore on us so that we have
1: an understanding of why we should care. Right, and especially with that, because even prior to this, with uh, even before the actual setup to Ten of Swords. Um, everything that has pretty much been going on with Apocalypse since I would almost, well, I would pretty much say Hux, yeah, Huxbox actually. Since since Huxbox, like everything, you knew he was kind of going into something. He was plotting something. He was into something. You know, the stuff with the X Excal- Caliber kind of bore all of that out, you know, went since it started. But you knew there were some things that were going on with him and, and that was leading up to something. And, This is seemingly the, uh, the combination of that, or at least going to be the combination of that. Definitely. Um, with, especially what ends up happening in this, in this story. And it's, it's also kind of weird because it's like there are some people. I mean, some of the, some of the people that pretty much get involved in this story, I, I kind of want to just skip ahead to something that, uh, that, um, that is actually appealing to me about this. What is, or at least what it's seeming to be, but I'm going to actually hold off on it because I have it in my nose. But, um, you know, everybody's not everybody's involved, but at least a couple of people are involved is like, you wouldn't think that they wouldn't want to be around this and they kind of haven't really been, but. Some of the people that kind of are in here make some sense, you know. Specifically, like the archangels, you know. Oh, you know, because his reasoning was like seemingly a little weird, but it actually still makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense. I mean, given that the the dynamic
0: on Krakoa between uh, our quote unquote heroes and the ex villains who are being accepted as citizens of Krakoa, essentially they're 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 kind of probationary citizens obviously because they're they're much more uh like sabertooth, be you know uh they're much more likely to be like uh put into uh uh in, in, into the uh into the sharp pit shout out to the sharp pit uh, and 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 uh, uh the cold slither the original cold slither podcast um but uh you know, that's essentially what happens to the bad guys. So all of the all of the X-Men baddies, you know, and this obviously plays into several ongoing stories right now that, uh, you know, that are kind of on pause because of uh, Ten of Swords. But, you know, the villains are always kind of, you know, the, their nature sometimes doesn't change despite the fact that they're on Krakoa. Right. So, you know, despite the fact that they may have been resurrected, their nature doesn't essentially change or at least... They are, they haven't found reform just yet. We'll, we'll put it that way. So, um, because of that, we always had a deep, deep, deep-seated suspicion of Apocalypse's motives and actions when we found out he was going to be a major player in the pages of Excalibur. And as you said, now we now we're starting to see that come to fruition. Um, you know, and as I said earlier, Tinny Howard. It looks like it looks to be a a, a prime architect
1: of the story, or at least a, a big contributor to it. Right. Because, yeah, because Hickman looks like he's doing the overall, you know, plot and planning of the, of the whole thing. And, you know, the the people he has written with him. I th- well, I'm not sure. Like, we don't we never it's hard to say sometimes, especially when when in co-writing, co-written books, who's doing exactly what writing you know unless, unless their are style just kind of just you know is glaring mm-hmm. uh, but even then it's kind of hard to you know card does say if that's the case so we don't necessarily know who's actually doing what and it kind of doesn't really matter at certain points like you there's probably certain points where like yeah this person's on one side because uh you know because they are handling this stuff but this person cuz I think wait who's doing that? Um, I think Timmy Howard is actually the one writing Excalibur yeah so um, the stuff that kind of deals with that specifically with Saturnin, uh, and I'm assuming that's her, how she pres- pronounces her name because I have I've never known that, uh, and I've I have no, known the character since the original Excalibur, but I've never known how, she, how her name is supposed to be pronounced. So that stuff is, you can pretty much pre- uh, say is hers. You know, or you can assume anyway. I'm I i do not know maybe you know he took a swipe at it. Right, right, right. Well and you know, in any event, um it's you know, it's
0: definitely interesting to see, as you said, as you mentioned earlier, some of the characters who jump on board the train here to uh you know to uh to join the quest, to join the campaign. Um, you know, there is a, a, a betrayal obviously it's not the worst thing you know like we kind of suspected this character didn't have the best motives a couple issues ago in Mm. x in x-men
1: so you know he's kind of creepy right so it's no big surprise there um and uh, as i say my notes the curse you're a sudden but inevitable portrayal exactly exactly um um, i got a kick out of i
0: got a kick out of seeing um, havoc uh, cut loose, mm. but not be a psychopath or a sociopath or a hmm. damaged individual the way he is in Hellions. Right. Um. You know, kind of sucks that uh, that that Banshee gets, you know, get doesn't quite get got, but but you know something happens to him. I'm still waiting for uh, a Marvel Legends Banshee so that I can put together a um, all new X Men uh, Marvel Legends
1: lineup. You know, right. for from Hasbro. I don't. I don't want to have to dig for the toy biz Banshee. So right. So yeah. So let's actually get into the meat of it uh, on that. And yeah, as I said everybody knows, like yeah, it's always Banshee, which is which kind because of, you knew as soon as we saw him going off in, I believe it was either X Men or Excalibur, whichever one of the books that was. When you saw him summoner and um Eunice Eunice, thank you, uh, go off through the gate. You like you knew something was going to going to go on, and this is where that kind of bears out. So. Um, I was about to
0: say without spoiling the whole thing.
1: That's well, what I was trying
0: to do. I was kind of dancing around the fact that they're uh, that they're on a quest. I mean, we could go into what the quest ends up being.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, you, you're gonna end up having to spoil just a little bit of it because of because of what happened. Like, we don't necessarily have to go into what happened to like everybody, but let's mm. just say it this way: the 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 rock slash love stuff kind of comes to bear like a, like we talked about because like we knew something was gonna happen with that, and something very, very much did and. Um, because like I said, they they took the time to kind of um to, to kind of make a point of that. So, right. uh whether goes, that's the end of it, which I don't know, may may not be the may be the case, given some articles that are out right now. But um regardless, so yeah, so there's a um. So yeah, like I said, um, Summoner, uh, uh, Eunice, and Banshee end up going through the Eternal Gate, which is which has been going set up in um, in Excalibur. Uh, they a couple of them end up coming back. One of them gets captured, and this whole story starts about hey, this is what's going on, and uh, the Quiet Council comes in, you know, and and Apocalypse kind of lets them know what's going on and they have a powwow and Kukawa gets involved because is like, no with with a certain thing or with, with a, because they want to close the gates, that, that gate but was like, nah <laughs> uh, and then they get into uh, then, you know, in other places they get into a little investigation mode because, you know, like like uh, Agent 7 said, Banshee you know, has been taken out but not completely out or taken down, but not completely out. So, there's a little background and investigation by the, the Summers kids uh, on that, which digs up uh, a... Uh, as the story goes on, and some things going on in Overworld, um, uh, you know, some things kind of come out on that point, but by the time that stuff comes out, the stuff that happens in Overworld end up going ended up getting heated up but now this is where i can kind of go into without uh, spoiling too much and say that the the issue from here turns starts to turn into contest of champions mutant edition and i'm and i'm going to love it if that ends up being what it is because a thing gets set up between um uh, a competition of sorts kind of gets set up or more like a deal. I don't know. It's, it's, it feels like a competition, but some would say it's a, a duel that happens in it's going to happen in three days and due to partially the, the machinations of Saturn um, and you know, outside of that betrayal that uh, we ended up seeing from some folks that are that we end up find out that are really close to uh Apocalypse outside of Summoner um then a thing gets set up and that whole the whole swords part of a ten of swords kind of comes into play with that uh but yeah it, it seems to be ending up looking like another contest of champions and i'm kind of curious as to uh, if that's going to be the case or not so i don't know if you saw that part well, about it
0: well i've uh, uh uh i would say that you're skipping over the 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 campaign part of the ad and d the the AD and D campaign side because essentially we're going on a quest to find all these swords that are the 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 the, the source of the title you yeah, know, swords we're looking for ten swords some that they seem to have in their possession some that they're going to have to look for right. and you know we've seen some of the promotional art that involves various swords uh, from around the Marvel universe some of them not being. Um, you know some some of the major swords obviously that are with their current um wielders like the like the ebony blade aren't involved but some of the other ones that are kind of in limbo uh are or at least are 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 not like currently uh, possessed by certain characters or are, are are the are are ones that uh, are becoming involved and apparently in the one story. is apparently one is a person right so at the end of the day, what we have is this uh, quest that they've put in because they have three days to essentially come up with these swords so that they can uh, go into battle against um, the forces of uh, Apocalypse's children. I don't know if they're technically the forces of Arako. Um They might be. But at the end, but but ultimately, what we have here is this is the uh, this is the quest part. They have to go look for these swords. Sure. So um, once they go get these swords, that's when they can uh, engage in battle uh, to try to protect Krakoa from these people who um, can apparently go right through this gate between Otherworld and, um, and and Krakoa. That it's the gate that Krakoa refuses to take down. You know, that would be the easy way of uh, solving this particular. Um, uh, problem but as Roddy cat mentioned uh krakoa seems to have a certain way about this uh, or or is at least thinking a certain way about the about uh, this gate and wants to keep it so
1: right. uh which makes sense for krakoa because if so one thing to point up is that um um and this is a point that probably that, that will definitely play into it so krakoa was uh, was once one land part of that land is also has come back and been joined. And that's where the uh, gate is. The other part of that, which uh, Apocalypse kids have been fighting in and fighting over, especially you know, if you see, so if you want, if you look at the, um, the episode, uh, look at the, 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 the map that is in the issue, basically Kukor is on one side, the gate, and then overworld. And then on the other side of it is the other part of um, Arako, um that that used to be a part of kokoa so basically they set it up as like ones on one side ones on the other and then the middle ground is overworld and that's where a lot of this uh starts off takes place possibly the the battleground uh, right so
0: right so they do provide as as uh Hickman X books are tend to do, or, you know, tend to do. They have uh, uh, maps and data data pages. So we do have a map of other world, and how it layers above, um, and and the kingdoms involved. So uh, there's there's kingdoms here that we're definitely not familiar with. We definitely know of a couple of the locations, unless you know people people who are fans of Excalibur might be. Uh, more familiar with this, or some of this stuff may have been created for this story. I think so, because
1: uh, I don't recall uh, half of those, but at the same time, that could be something I, I, I don't remember. So,
0: so in any event, I know that Roddy Cat was holding off on mentioning something that I guess he's a fan of that happens at the end of this book. Um, at the end, there is a setup for the next X title to spin out of the story, and it was actually announced this week before um you know, it was set up before this. It was set up actually at the end of Empire. Yes. And uh, the official announcement of, the, of, the, uh, of this uh, new ongoing, or at least this new story, or this new book, um, came out this week just before Ten of Swords dropped in stores on Wednesday. So you can take that away. <laughs>
1: yeah so totally so um so going back to empire at the end of it we saw the stuff we talked about this before so we don't necessarily have to go too far in it but the stuff that happened at the end of uh empire with abigail brand and her quitting her position where it was and then coming back later on in the stories saying you know with um sometime in the future saying that hey i got this other thing going on that stuff part is still out and out and about but as we see from uh, Ten of Swords creation, um, a I don't know if if this was a, actually a shield out uh, a shield kind of off uh, offset thing, but I, but you know it's basically an um, we see the rebirth of the peak, which was the platform, uh, space center, whatever the watchtower, whichever way you want to call it, of sword which is pretty much the um, you know pretty much what um, Captain Marvel was ahead of and Abigail Brand was second in command of that dealt with uh, pretty much um, um you know um, uh, extraterrestrial uh, you know things uh, as, as far as uh, you know prevention not prevention but you know first contact and prevention and anything that's coming towards Earth and you know, that may or may not be uh, an issue. So apparently the peak is back into play because for somehow Cyclops, and maybe there's a story here I'm missing. Cyclops, well, Saturn in pretty much planted in uh, Rachel and Cable's head about this one thing that comes up. They took it to Scott. Scott knew exactly what this thing was, and it ends up coming to play that the, the sword that Cable has coincidentally, can repower uh, the Peak, and they went and did that. And I'm sitting here like, how does Scott even know this information? Because I'm like, unless it's come out someplace that I don't even know, you know, like, what even happened to the Peak in the first place, where it was uh, it went dormant, or went uh, non-used, whatever the case may be. But... right, I don't know
0: if... Uh, I know when, when the Peak decided to go quiet. Um, it must have been before Empire, because...
1: <laughs> right. Or whatever happened was because I assume it had been destroyed because of what happened prior to M5. because remember when uh whatever event that was and and the earth had a barrier around it and and right. um and like things was trying to you know, people were trying to get into but they couldn't because they were out in space and people couldn't get out of it because of the um thing. But I I'd assume it had gotten destroyed around that time. I'm sure there's somebody out here who knows all of that and Will excuse me. Will enlighten us on it, but I'd assume it had been destroyed during that whole thing, right? If we
0: had had the opportunity to
1: sit down and really do research, we could have figured this out. You oh know, sure,
0: to...
1: yeah. Like I'm All sure,
0: goosies, but you know what? What I was going to just add very quickly is, um, you know, we, what we have now is the you know the, this primer for. Uh, uh, a new title that
1: literally was announced this week so i could see oh
0: look look it's hap- it's literally happening before our
1: eyes right which i, I gotta admit going into the end of this uh, issue before we, before we go on to something else
0: oh, I remember i'm sorry uh the where 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 cyclops would um would recognize this is this, mm-hmm. this would have come from uh uh astonishing
1: x-men the the whedon run oh okay wow that far back okay
0: you know what I mean? That's where they introduced the. the that's where they introduced sword.
1: Well, no, no, I, I, yeah, that part. But I meant like when it went quiet. Oh no! But
0: I'm talking about how he would recognize. Sure. Okay. That's when you when you mentioned that I was like, oh, I th- i I remember reading this. Like, oh, that's how he recognizes it. Gotcha. He, okay. He probably he probably ran into it during that Whedon Cassidy um, astonishing X Men run from way way back.
1: Sure. Which that's a at this point is a deep cut, but um. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, now that we're talking about sword, yeah, it has to be a sword deep cut, right? But like, get, but get back to my to my point to, on that. I was like, I, I guess I don't know why I didn't expect that to be to come out because I wasn't thinking anything about that sword in this thing, because it was like the whole, the whole thing is called Ten of Swords, mm-hmm. so the last thing I I don't know why I wasn't wasn't thinking. About, I don't know if you even thought about it yourself, but the last thing I was thinking of was one the peak and sword coming back into play because of this but you know if you once you say it it kind of makes total sense right so i was like okay yeah of course sword but but regardless so that thing it, going into the end this was like okay and then it kind of put back into place the stuff that was from you know starts to put back into place the one the announcement and two the stuff that kind of came out of uh the, the end of empire for me so i was like okay Let's go. Let's see what what's going on with this um, with um, with with this little event that's going on right now. That seemed to hit the ground running. So that's um, that's that's one thing we can definitely say about this issue. I don't know if you have got any last thoughts uh, on this one, but I would definitely say check this out if you've been um, into the Xbox um, you know, coming from the Dawn of X stuff, Xbox, all that kind of good mess.
0: Right. This is their first big crossover. So I'm willing to I'm willing to see if this pays off.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if history is in uh, any indication, and you know Hick- Hickman's um, dealings with it, and anybody else who's you know having any uh, anything to do with it, I suspect it should come out right. Hopefully, hopefully. Right, we'll hopefully. Talk about that,
0: I would just give a shout out to Pepe La Raza, Laraza Gracia, who can continue to provide, you know, the the. The pencil, you know, the, the the pencil art and the and the color art, respectively, that uh, that makes Hickman's mumbo jumbo sing. Shout out to Tim Dog ninety um, eight. Shout out to Tim for uh, giving us that particular term that does
1: come back because it is useful hmm. um, every now and again. The difference is with with it is now like we we've been getting it in. You know, either data dumps on the page or or in in doses. You know, we definitely got a good dose of it in Hotspots, mm-hmm. like coming out of it. Even you know, data pages and just in general in, in the throughout what was written. Uh, but coming out of like Dawn of X, it's been. I don't want to say less so but the drips have been kind of more in the in the data dump pages which I, I i have to think that you know hickman kind of learned from the uh from his avengers run and all the 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 stuff he was going through there where the term comes from it was like no nah, we can do this a little differently <laughs> so right. we, we can parse this out just a little differently than than that's than what we did there instead of just putting it out all you know on the the page so but yeah, that's a uh, Exosource creation. It's, it's safe to say There was also a mention of Zorn, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Now that I think about it, because I'm looking at my notes, and I was like, the whole tarot card situation, which is um, which has come up a couple of different times. I don't know if that's actually gonna, you know, come in into anything, or that's just a, a framing device. Um, but that kind of comes up a couple of times in the in the beginning of this issue, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm assuming that's going to be something. And even there are some, uh, a couple of people when those tarot cards, or at least one particular person or two, you know, like we see like uh, apocalypse on some of those cards and whatnot, but there's somebody on one of those cards that calls up that I don't think we've seen. So I suspect some of the, all of that's going to come out during this this, uh, event.
0: Right. Uh, Before, I was about to say, before we uh, wrap our discussion on this book, I just wanted to mention that we apparently are introduced in this issue to the original four hor- the original four horsemen of the apocalypse.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um well, yeah, and yeah, I'm glad you said that cuz I yeah, I have that in my notes as well. Um which apparently are apocalypse's kids. Um like actual I'm we're assuming, you know, actual um, uh, you know, blood relative kids which makes a whole lot of sense because and I just, I'm kind of curious as to um, you know uh, Archangels uh, like he don't like granted he don't care for apocalypse that much but I, I suspect there's going to be some interactions with them and him specifically that's going to um, possibly be um, amusing uh-
0: it's not the only former horseman of uh, horseman on the X Men roster, so True. you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Wolverine has been as well as uh, a couple of other characters.
1: So, which Wolverine definitely will be playing a part of this, as we've seen in in you know in the in past images of uh, coming into mm-hmm. this. So, yeah, I would suspect everybody who's going to hold a sword has had some dealing, not necessarily as a, a as a horseman, but you know. Has some significant role, right? 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 Yeah, in the promo art. Yes. Yes. So, all right. So, thank you for that. Uh, Next up, uh, you want to pick one? Sure.
0: I'm going to actually. uh, I think you read this. It was actually one of the more curious books out this week, and that is Juggernaut number one. I did read that. Yes. It's kind of curious because um, Marvel's timeline is a little skewed and this really kind of hindered my enjoyment of this issue was actually which was actually you know pretty you know it was actually it moved along at a nice pace it had some nice dialogue it's written by fabian nizieza and uh drawn by ron garney mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a very different ron garney style um You know, it's the the newer style that he's been uh, refining over over the last several books that he's worked on, including Daredevil. So, um, essentially, we have a a juggernaut who starts this book working for Roddy Cat's favorite uh, Marvel Universe (laughs) company, Damage Control. And he's doing doing some uh, urban renewal. And, you know, as a result of uh, superhero shenanigans, you know, and it actually seems to be literally seems to be in the wake of War of the Realms, according to according to the um, according to the uh, uh, the references that some of the characters make from damage control.
1: Well, maybe not because I, I do mention alien invasion. So I, you, one can assume that's the Kotati stuff. Because there is a there is a mention of alien invasions in that, so it may. Because I, I thought about that as well. I was like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure of the time frame, but I would assume oh, that. Oh no, it was sure. kind of, but they mentioned that no residual traces of energy from the nine realms. That's right. The first right. Yeah, I recognize that. Yes, right.
0: That's the first page. So that's my my guess is that it's in the wake of, and obviously this is one of those books that got the push because of COVID. Let's mm-hmm. keep that in mind too. Right. Right. So this should have been out probably springtime, maybe summertime, not definitely not in the, at the beginning of fall. So mm-hmm. given that this has a reference to War of the Realms which ended at the end of 2019, um, you know beginning of 2020, it makes me question how does the Juggernaut's appearance with the Punisher in the Punisher Kill Crew happen in different armor and that's another point that's made in this issue that right. um Something that happened in the very forgettable Matthew Rosenberg X-Men, which I chose to forgot. <laughs> I definitely chose... I, 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 I chose to forget, you know... I chose to forget a particular uh, uh, event that happened within Matthew Rosenberg's Uncanny X-Men because, you know, in the wake of Hoxpox, all that stuff was thrown aside, basically.
1: Right. Or um, seemingly, in, anyway.
0: Right. Or at least in terms of who was dead. So... Because because of that I tend to I, I tend now to forget everything that happened during that run. But now, at least in this book, something hap- you know something happens in the penultimate issue of Rosenberg's run. And I had to you know, I didn't go into my collection to look it up because it is a while ago now. You know, we're talking twenty eighteen at this point now, because this is pre war of the realms, long before War of the Realms. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, this, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, before Hoxpox. So that, you know, we're talking a while ago. Something happens to the Juggernaut that um, seems to not have been in effect during the Punisher Kill Crew story. But now we're getting, you know, we're getting a follow up on that issue, on that X Men issue that that Rosenberg uh, wrote. So it's kind of weird. I'm a little confused as to the timing of it. I mean. You know, the art doesn't seem to indicate that as much, but hey, and this is kind of a a shots fired moment for me um, because I did not choose to, you know, because I, as I said, I did choose to forget what happened during that book. But uh, hey, editors not doing their jobs is not a new thing. Shots fired. But I think they're going to explain it maybe in the next issue or two. So, um, you know, there is a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but. At the same time, I'm confused. So you know that's not a good thing.
1: Yeah, I you mean, I the
0: I've, rest that was like my main takeaway from this. Like, wait a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not as hung up on on that part as as you are, but that but those thoughts did kind of come to mind. But also, given the number of books, especially a couple, well, at least one or two, one this week. Um whose time frame is kind of questionable even though you know it's supposed to be set up in the in the past i'm not i don't know and and this is the thing that marvel's been doing for the you know for a while for the past couple of years like there's been some mini series or whatnot that have been set up in a questionable time period that's either is supposed to happen or is happening at a certain particular time that's you know th- whose whose timeline is kind of questionable and, and Specifically, what you know, what ends up coming out of it, if anything, that may be taken forward. Because I know there's one, looking at you, Tarot, that doesn't seem to have come up on anything. And I don't know if he didn't, if it was just like, well, here's a, here's just a story that's supposedly set in here that, you know, a thing happens, but, you know, but we don't know if there's anything com- coming, coming, coming out of that because something like that coming out right like right or even antithesis uh fantastic Four to antithesis from this week you know like the, the timeline is kind of sort of questionable especially with what happens in that book that well it doesn't necessarily right. play out it doesn't really have to, anything yeah i was about to say that's
0: kind of like a weird example because that's supposed to be like kind of a
1: ret- retcon type story right and it's not finished because we're only two issues in we'll talk about that in a minute but there's a character in there that is now supposedly a, you know well, again, just, I'm sure that will be that will be explained away at the end of it cuz um like I said the, there's a character at the end of that show's up that is technically no longer around thanks to recent story issues. Mm-hmm. Uh but again, we'll get to that in actually another book in this week. So yeah, um so Jack and I the I'm I'm like the, the, getting to the, the crux of it. Yeah, so Jack and I I's working with uh, Dam- uh damage control doing some demolition. Uh, come across some houses that people are are, are squatting in. Some teens are squatting in specifically, and uh, Juggernaut kind of goes and well, gets met with a force that he's you know that he fe- he thinks he he knows before because it's his dealings with mutants and the you know the various powers that he's had to go up against in the past. But we end up coming to find out that, um, or at least at least it is being said that he meets up with this teen who is a part of the crew who tries to stop him thinking he's trying to uh encroach on the uh, land trying to trying to kick him out of the land uh and this particular teen's powers who this teen keeps saying that she's not a mutant so that part um at some point is probably going to be explained uh and this this this, this teen's name is kind of not good but um Regardless, it seems to could be a potentially um, interesting character. They do so. make
0: a joke about it.
1: Yeah, they do exactly. I was, yeah, I was, um, you know, about how how this character's name is uh, sounds like a battery. Mm-hmm. Um, and even before that, I was like, yeah, no, that's just not a great name. But regardless, they he he ends up meeting this teen and and uh, you know interacting with them and something happens at uh, to to this teen and they end up uh, talking because of what happens. And essentially leads uh Juggernaut into um you know, basically wanting to help the team, which is you would think is, you know, something kind of unheard of for Kane Marco, 'cause he's like he's not trying to help anybody but himself. But, you know, but he goes to, you know, feel like he wants to, you know, help, and this team just does seem like he wants to need help. But also Uh, The team wants something, seemingly wants something from Juggernaut, you know, in the form of because their first interaction ended up being going viral, apparently. And now she kind of pops it in the head was like, hey, yeah, here's some stuff that if you want to help somebody, you want to help with this other thing, which has happens to do with uh, uh, a fight that Juggernaut is possibly going to get into next issue. Uh, which rounds out this book, but yeah, um, this is a five issue mini series uh and, and like indie seven said it was supposed to come out well before now, so we don't know what else is this is going to be playing into whether is setting up setting up for juggernaut or and or this new character who may or may not be a mutant right um, at this point, right, It's vague at this point, but this character comes out and says no, right, so. So I'm thinking, if that's not the case, then is this person an inhuman? Did this person, and I think they, well, this this character did mention that there was um, actually kind of almost like a Spider-Man origin. It was like no, it was a it was a um, some kind of accident and you know, an origin suit or something like that is what they said. So to make it sound like it was more of a um Spider-Man type situation and not, you know, not them being a mutant. We'll see how that plays out in the in the in the coming issues, though. But it was a good read. Outside of that, you know, the time frame aside and stuff, like is I got to look past that, and it seemed like it could be something. I don't know where it's going, or if it's even gonna what is it's going to do for Juggernaut, if anything. But it seems cool so far. All right. And that being the case, um, you want to do maybe one or two more, and then. That's fine. Hit the rapids. I was
0: about to say uh, we could do we could we could stay on stay on uh, the muscle bound train because that's mm-hmm. what seemed to be the uh, the theme of the books that came out this week at least from Marvel.
1: I think uh, we're we're
0: on the same page with that. If you're going we, where I think you are, I was about to say uh, you know the, the, the choices between two books, and I wanted to talk about one in particular because we spoke about this just before starting the show, okay. and I'm referring to Maestro Number Two. Or Maestro number two. Mm-hmm. This is actually one of my potential clicks of the week um, because for anyone who is familiar with the future imperfect story um, that Peter David and George Perez did way, way back in the 90s. Um, and for anyone familiar with that, there are several familiar beats that this story goes down, and this is supposed to be a prequel to that story. Mm-hmm. But we get a big curveball thrown at our expectations. So anyone familiar with the future imperfect story will recognize the setup, but the surprise reveal will definitely still surprise. And I'm leaving it at that because I know Roddy Cat's going to go into more of the nitty gritty and also mention the fact that all of this
1: is from his perspective of not having read the future imperfect story prior to this. Right. Right. So it's also worth noting that this seemingly sets up the basic. Well, this pretty much sets up, if I'm not mistaken, the old man Logan uh, stuff as well.
0: It has a well, yeah. It has elements of it because that's with the uh, the future imperfect stuff doesn't um, doesn't make any reference, obviously, to the old man Logan stuff. But the old man Logan stuff came as um, I, I believe the old man Logan stuff made some mention of the wasteland stuff but doesn't have anything to do with the imperfect stuff
1: right which means that it's also you know if that hawkeye the old man hawkeye uh miniseries from last year year before last and also avengers of the wasteland all of that stuff kind of comes like well after uh future and and this stuff so yeah so uh, get into it um so we find that of last issue, because we talked about last issue what a couple of weeks ago um the the Hulk uh basically was uh, hitting away at an aim base with uh with Modoc because the uh, the humans blew themselves up almost um um Planet of the eighth style, but not you know close enough to it, but not really uh, mm-hmm. we couldn't find out that this is after all of that, and there are still pockets of folks that are still around and the Hulk kind of gets the nitty gritty on what's going on, but he, as of this issue, he kind of gets out into the world and see what the humans have all, you know, what the humans have done. Um, and he makes his way to DC and ends up finding a human or a pocket of humans um, led by Machine Man, seemingly, or at least Machine Man is above, uh, among them, and uh, of course being in DC, you know, state of the government was uh brought up which in a way doesn't sound well it does kind of sound like the way our government is right now um but basically there's a pocket of of, of humans and machine man underneath the white house uh, that were you know that had socked themselves away uh when everything went down so uh, the Hulk kind of comes across that and gets kind of gets a little bit more background on stuff like that. And comes to find out the state of New York, uh, or at least what has become of New York anyway. And so Hulk makes his way over there. And in the midst of this, we come to find out that um, a, an old acquaintance of, well, so here's where it gets weird. Also on an, an old acquaintance of Hulk's, um, gets show, well shows up and they have uh a whole bunch of memorabilia which I'm assuming this is also from the future Imperfect stuff that uh, uh agent 7 is mentioning cuz I feel like I've like I feel like I've seen mention of this stuff before yep. uh, or uh, this person and the stuff before who is alive and well and living in and oh
0: not well but definitely well, alive yeah, excuse me
1: but he's al- well yeah he's he's alive and around Uh, with his granddaughter, who has a a backup story uh, uh, behind this. Um, But that part just kind of comes and goes. uh, uh, Hulk goes into New York uh, to meet up with the maestro, who apparently, knowing from this book, we know that he's going to eventually end up being. um, Mm -hmm. But he goes to meet this person who's kind of running New York and at the end of this issue, when he gets to New York and, and, you know, see what sees what's going on. We find out that he's meeting up with one Hercules spoiler alert at the end of this uh, issue, because we, because I don't know, maybe, maybe this was the case and maybe I'll just kind of, you know, uh, just kind of gloss over it. Like, I'm assuming that this other person, this other acquaintance is the actual maestro at the time. And, and is not Hercules. Cause that seems weird. Like maybe you could put a little bit more, you know, uh, put a touch on on that one part. I don't know. Well, remember, prequel. This is a prequel. Sure. So,
0: this is you know the the, the way this plays out. And like I said, I definitely think you should just read this, the future imperfect story, just to see all the little things that you know, uh, see all the little notes that uh, that Peter David is putting in as a, as a lead up to. Um, the, the original story, you know, that that hint toward the original story. Um, you know, yeah, the, the, the reveal that I'm referring to is in fact what you're talking about at the end. And it took me by surprise, but it does make sense that, uh, uh, that this character would have lasted into the post apocalyptic post nuclear war, right? uh, you know, reality of, uh, uh of, you know, in, in the Marvel universe.
1: Right. So, yeah. Um, future imperfect is how many issues? Like two or three? Oh, it's two. It's two.
0: Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're oversized issues, but it's two issues. Gotcha. You know, we're not talking about the, um, you know, there've been a couple of future imperfect, uh, 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 related books. There was a secret wars future Imperfect book. That's and not, necessary for this. This is literally but I feel like
1: I've read that,
0: right? This is literally a prequel to the original 92, 93. That's going back a long ways that Peter David and, um, and George Perez did. But, uh, I would note that, um, future imperfect was essentially, uh, George Perez's comeback, um, after years of kind of being, um, uh, an admittedly unreliable artist. And and once he did imperfect, everyone, uh, uh, comics, um management, you know, people at DC and, and, and Marvel and and uh um oh what was that company called? What was that company called that Mark Alesi did? Mal- no not Malibu. Um CrossGen. Oh the people at it gave uh, Perez a bunch of money because he was able to show, in future imperfect, that he still had what it took to, uh, to do uh, comic book work and keep to a somewhat regular schedule.
1: So, right. So, was this before Teen Titan? No, nope. no, no. This is ninety two, okay. ninety three. Okay, so it's after. Okay,
0: this is after. This is after um, Infinity Gauntlet, which is where, like, Perez really kind of. Uh, 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 Really messed up his reputation by not being able to finish that mm-hmm. um, that series. If you recall, he started that series and then Ron Lim finished it with Perez doing some of the covers and doing some of the inks mm-hmm. to help out. So, gotcha, gotcha. But that's that's a story for another day. Um, but yeah, ma- Maestro number two definitely is a potential click of the week for me because of my uh, the expectations that were like flipped on their head on, you know, my expectations had, you know, were were flipped upside down basically. So, um, I definitely give Peter David some credit and, uh, the artist on this is definitely doing, uh, uh, a stellar job Mm -hmm. of not mimicking, but definitely evoking, um, some of the atmosphere in all of the previous maestro books that we've seen. Um,
1: What's his name? Yeah, that was some, some good art in this. Uh,
0: Hermann Peralta,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right. As well, uh, Dale Keown um, does a, a a backup story, which which ties into some of the questions that people had uh, when it came to reading the original uh, Future
1: Imperfect. Oh, so okay. so that part that was future. So... So that part was also in somewhat in there.
0: No, but it just answers a question. Okay. You know, when you read feature imperfect, you'll see why that little two, two or three page backup story at the end wasn't necessary, but at the same time filled in a blank.
1: Okay. Um, I will say on that part, cause I, I think I have it in my notes. So if you have been reading like a Avengers of the wasteland, uh, you know, uh, like i have or something like that you know that a, a certain person uh ends up wielding the hammer of thor um after around this time and granted and like it's, this is taking place like well before that stuff but um we see somebody else uh that is worthy of wielding it and I was like, I'm not, and, and yeah, I'm not sure who this person was, but I know who this person is in relation to another character in this, in this story. So I guess I will have to read uh, Future Imperfect since Agent 70 is trying to twist my arm. <laughs> hey, <it's, laughs> what's your issue? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I guess. The, the one thing that I was kind of weird about, I was like, why does, why does uh, this other character have Beast's fur? That seemed kind of creepy. Hmm. But regardless, that is Maestro number two, and we'll see. Again, this is another one of those that's, like, taking place at a certain time that's setting up something. And to get to that point, uh, there is an article we'll get to later about um, Peter Davids kind of once, even once Maestro is finished. Like, he's pretty much uh, setting up for something uh, with this. So this is pretty much going to be one of those ones that's like yeah there's there's something that's going to come out of this that's going to get touched upon uh sooner rather than later i would assume but we nice. shall see so next up um i've got one more before we get into the rapids mm-hmm. uh let's go with the immortal she-hulk number one actually okay so this is pretty much so sub- well I can I could say it's the last of the empire stuff. It is the the last of the empire related stuff, but kind of sort of tangentially. Um like it definitely does touch upon empire, but the crux of the book has more to do with the if the name implies anything, uh more of what is going on with Immortal Hulk than it ever did with um you know with empire. So the fact that they kind of partially labeled this as an empire tie-in, and that tie-in sure is there, it's really less of a case. But basically, we we start off the book where we are seeing, you know, we pretty much get a little bit of background into Jin's origin. Well, we get the the, the final beats of, uh, you know, of Jin's origin, but it's also uh, put together with her going into the realm down below or the number of times that she has met death and has gone into uh, the place down below and the people she ends up talking to uh, while she's there interspersed with, you know, one, her talking to Wolverine about, um, cause that part I think was set up like right after uh, after Empire and she's talking to Wolverine about, you know, resurrection, you know, knowing everything that's going on with Krikora, and that conversation is kind of what it is. Uh, But then it kind of starts flashing back into the times that uh, She-Hulk has uh, met death, and not the actual personification of death, but has actually died in one way or another, which part of it kind of irks me, uh, because one, it goes back to Civil War 2, which was not great, but also, it feels like it kind of retcons it maybe didn't it kind of retcons when and what she died of uh, to a, a little, uh, to a point in that. Because if you think about, so, and, uh, um, so the first death was technically when she became She-Hulk and, you know, she got the transfusion from Bruce and all that kind of stuff. So all that kind of comes on through, then it goes into, I think it does go into the Civil War after that, Civil War two that, that, and, and this happened at the beginning of Civil War Civil War two where you know Thanos came to attack and a bunch of heroes were there and then you know then not working together caused some things to go awry and she gets blasted by um war machine who actually did actually, who died on the spot uh but then later on in Civil War two she ends up dying on in the hospital bed because which it was still back then, kind of crazy, like Tony Stark and Carol Danvers was arguing, you know, while they're visiting her, and then she ends up dying after saying some words, and that's got put in, put in there. But there's a new wrinkle to that part, which I won't go into. That comes out into this, but in in like I said, in between all of this, she ends up going to the place down below and talking to people like Bruce's dad, like. um... I can't remember who she talked to the first time, if she talked to anybody the first time. Um, and her various remembrances of being down there. And then, of course, the last time being Empire, and it kind goes of goes into the final beats of that. And then she goes back into the the, the, the place down below and meets another character who, were, at this point, in the Immortal Hulk story, we've, you know, seeing bigger things coming from this character. And again, it won't spoil that part. But this character and her have an interaction and the, the characters basically said, yeah, you you, know, you don't want to come back here again. And that's what ends this issue um, and has Jen pretty much shook at the end right. of it.
0: I mean, ultimately, we, what we thought would happen actually happens in this issue, mm-hmm. especially because of the title. This character, She-Hulk, really has not played much of a role in the Immortal Hulk series. Only at the very beginning mm-hmm. did uh, She-Hulk and uh, the Avengers show up and play any sort of significant role in the Immortal Hulk story. But now this is Al Ewing bringing Jen Walters full, fully into the Immortal Hulk realm given the events of, um, you know, and basically tying into – um, the events of She-Hulk's uh character arc over what the last several years civil war 2 and now empire mm-hmm. uh, and that um uh major changes to uh She-Hulk are are now coming out of those two events one we got the gray She-Hulk uh that came out of um that came out of Civil War 2 yeah. you know that's what's touched on here I love um them, yeah and we, and now we get the the fully realized immortal she Hulk that comes out of uh that comes out of empire so this is you know to me this is sort of uh uh value and bringing all of the hulk characters back into the fold now mm-hmm. at least involving them in this um, the this immortal storyline so that uh, no one is left out that's at least my my take on this, sure, I think yeah. see what happens to uh, uh, Thunderbolt Ross sooner rather than later before the series, before the Immortal series is up.
1: Right, so we talked about that, like, yeah, the whole Red Hulk, we talked about it with Immortal uh, Hulk, like, last week, or whatever the like, whether we were going to actually see Red Hulk in, in any way, shape, or form, which I can't imagine we'd not. Um, right. But, yeah, uh, this was definitely... Like uh, you know, my uh, my issues with the the part of you know the the part of the wreck hunting of uh, of that aside, like this was definitely a well done, you know, and the timing timing was good for it, obviously, because you know coming out of Empire and Al doing Empire and you know having set up to to kind of bring that into bring this part into the fold, and whether we see She Hulk or Hulk, um, you know. Coming back into a mortal Hulk, you know, in any significant fashion is a is a thing. But um, we definitely have seen, especially in the latest issue, latest issues of a mortal Hulk, that where the stuff, where in the end of this uh, issue, has been coming more into play going forward. So, it was it was definitely nicely done, with the exception of the one part that I didn't really care for. So. Still waiting to see what's going on with the rest of the with the rest of uh, Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's like as a fan of She Hulk, like always good to see uh, you know She Hulk in her books and, and she's with the Avengers now. But that's that's you know that is thing. So anything just kind of giving her her own thing, um, you know, has always been a treat for me in one way, shape, or form. Actually, that last Hulk She Hulk book, the, the last Hulk book she actually became becoming I never did finish reading that one but it seemed to go a place um that I never did uh never did finish up so anyway uh unless you got something else uh, on that when we can push on to rapid we'll go to rapid fire i'll spin it up all right <laughs> rapid fire cause uh you want to go
0: all right. Um, don't think you have this book on your list. Daredevil number 22? Nope. Daredevil gets arraigned. If you're not familiar with where we are, I think you should go back and read this uh, Zdarsky run. It's actually pretty good. Obviously, we are 22 issues in, but it is worth it. Although we are in familiar territory for anyone who read Bendis's, uh Daredevil stuff and the beginning of Brubaker's run and – uh, you know, we're going, uh, you know, as Roddy Cap mentioned earlier, those are kind of deep cuts now. Not as deep, apparently, as uh, as going back to the Miller era now. But, you know, we're reflecting, you know, it's it definitely um, it's definitely a sign of our age that we can go back and refer to these books and make them seem like they were very recent when they are, in fact, not very recent. Um, so, again, back to this issue, Daredevil gets arraigned and Foggy is putting his defense together. Uh, daredevil actually goes to tony stark i love Mar- uh, the interconnectedness of marvel to make financial moves against the Stromwind. so this is uh something that relates back to what has happened in these last 22 issues uh at the end zadarsky brings back a character from the mark wade era of dd to aid in his defense so that was actually a nice little callback Uh, next up is, all right, we covered these three books is Spider-Woman number four. Uh, I think Roddy Cat is going to contribute to this. I will just say that I'm not as familiar with Jessica Drew's origin as I might need to be, given what happens in this book. I will have to reread this to see if I get all of the things it seems like I'm supposed to get out of this story
1: yeah this part this part of her history i'm not also well versed in the whole wonder gore and you know her family and and that comes like there's some definitely stuff that gets gets touched upon but it's like yeah i don't remember some of the stuff going on either so i'm kind of with you
0: right i mean i don't know if i need to go back and check the ohatmu entries and then uh, 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 do a deep dive in marvel unlimited to see what's there But I was very much, very, very much just kind of like, oh, okay. I'm just taking this as it goes Um, and and, and letting, you know, and and letting the story just sort of sink in a little bit. And as I mentioned, I might just end up reading it
1: again just to see, you know, if it it makes more sense the second time around. Right. But it definitely outside of that does kind of pop off because this is very a pretty action It's actually kind of amusing too so basically there's a family reunion of sorts as of the end of the last issue because uh apparently well one we found out that jessica has a a younger brother and we also found out in this issue that she was in a coma a little bit longer than well, she it's thought a younger older brother right well yeah but she was in a coma for a while so that's so that they kind of mentioned that here it's like no you were out for a little bit longer than than you think you are so um, so, but she has a younger brother who also has a kid with her who uh, the question was going into this volume. They're trying to find, uh, well, he, she did not know that that was her brother up until last issue, but, um, trying to find, uh, a cure for his daughter who, you know, is also related, but also come to find out that, uh, Jessica's mom is alive, uh, and had been still in Wonder Gore and is, you know, apparently doing some things and, you know, was pretty much uh, manipulating some stuff behind the scenes uh, in in a certain in a, in a certain way. But now it's all back together, and the the person that um, uh, that Jessica had a run into uh, earlier, like the, in the first couple of issues, who's had she's had dealings with family or their family before, who she killed it, killed this other person's dad, but um, has come back in this one and kind of starts to fight and. She, you know, and Jessica's family fights together uh, against this person, and at the end of this issue, yeah, something potentially could be happening to Jessica. And as the the writer of this, uh, Carla Pacheco, says in the uh, letters page, like, like, yeah, come back next week. Y'all are not gonna like, and next next time, y'all are not gonna like me, as she she says. So mm-hmm. I don't know what she's gonna end up doing, but yeah, so there's something gonna happen. Anywho
0: Right. All right. Last for me is Dark Knight's death metal, speed metal. Excellent. Yay! Uh, I understand from thanks to uh, PCN underscore Dirt actually that Joshua Williamson is ending his run
1: on the Flash series this week, and yeah, he that is knew, also right? what's that? So, yeah, that part we knew uh, going coming before now, but yes, right
0: but he also writes this one shot related to the dark knight uh death metal uh, spe- uh dark knight's death metal event excellent <laughs> in this issue uh Wally West the OG Wally West has the conversation with Barry Allen that should have happened years ago in our time um whether this has an effect on the heroes in Crisis stupidity is yet to be seen. So, you know, that's my, uh, that, that's my commentary. Shots fired. So we will see how that all goes, but that's essentially what happens in this issue. It does tie in with the most recent events in Dark Knight's Death Metal. Excellent!
1: Alrighty then. <laughs> uh so i'll get to my last two books uh fantastic four antithesis number two again this is another one of those that's kind of time displaced but it's going to go somewhere we don't know where it is at this at this point uh so this is kind of a this is in an ff during the time of uh, valeria Richards being a baby uh so that sets kind of sets it off. this is you know um that there was an altercation, well, there is in this particular issue an altercation in the Negative Zone, which they just got through dealing with um, uh, Annihilus' last issue of this, but that kind of comes back into play because they went into the Negative Zone looking for uh, one Galen, a.k.a. Galactus, who'd been taken down and thrown in there by this new villain uh, who is apparently a, a Negative Zone... A denison of the negative zone, if I'm reading it right, who basically controls zombies and is spreading uh, negative zone zomb- zombieism. Uh, that's the takeaway I'm taking. I-, I got from this, and if I'm wrong, then whatever. Um, but yeah, they go into the negative zone. They come across uh, a, a Galactus, aka Galen. Uh, they have another fight with um, with with. Um, uh, uh, Annihilus, and then end up on Galactus' ship, coincidentally, thanks to uh, the Silver Surfer. So again, don't know where this is going. What what's going to be the outcome of this? Um, and given what's going on in Thor, like we know that you know, <laughs> we know that somehow, some way, Galactus ends up being getting back to his former prominence. Uh, and my last book is. Doctor Doom number seven, so Doom returns to Latveria while uh, Blue Marvel goes through with Doom's plan from some issue back to that I can't even remember when they even talked or we even he even got word to him. So because the crux of this whole uh, volume has been like, yeah, Doom's been framed, uh, some things happened, uh, so he got exiled from Latveria. But now Doom's back in Latveria and he's questioning all of his. Uh, loyal followers, including his adopted son, Kristoff, who in this issue um, may or may not be that anymore. But um, there's also, uh, and I'm, I'm taking this for a Robocop reference uh, when Doom kind of gets part of his revenge for his exile in a can-you-fly, Bobby, moment, kind of. But If you end up reading this, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um but at the end of this issue, uh, we get back to this other subplot of uh, this space station or whatever that um, potentially is failing and may be dooming Earth. Uh, the fixing of that by one Blue Marvel and another, let's say Spider. Well, you might as well say he's a he's been classically a Spider-Man villain, but you know, at this point. Uh, this, which is another weird part about this, because this looks like it doesn't look like the version that we know of from being um, of recent years, because it looks more like a classic version of this character, uh, less than his superior version. So I'm not sure if what was, you know, the the um, the potential art was that for this. Unless something's happened in another book that you know this character is going back to his, his old looks. I don't know. Um. So that's a weird thing that happened to, to to this, and somebody may or may not be able to shed light on that. But nevertheless, that's where we are with this Doctor Doom book. You know, after you know, it's been some time since the last issue, and some things you know being missed on. And that is uh, my uh, books of the week. So now we're getting on to clicks of the week. <laughs> and we already have a couple of books from our um other co-hosts who are not here uh the aforementioned pcn underscore dirts pick is uh the flash 762 um, and i believe he did have a note on this in our back channel uh it's the end of williamson's 100 issue plus issue 1 as h70 said uh, 100 issues possible plus annual specials uh sad to see it end because he used every opportunity to build from issue to issue and create a dense mythology but it will probably help to lighten up lighten it up a bit for new readers that's what he says and um tim Says uh, ten of swords, X of swords, creation number one. Which All right, we already talked about. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm kind of in between two books. Mm. Uh, I'm in between ten of swords, creation number one, and Maestro number two. Just I, you know, I definitely enjoyed the walk down memory lane without actually consulting my copies of, uh, future imperfect, uh, for my show number two until I was done with the book. Hmm. After I read the book, I, 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 did crack open, uh, Marvel unlimited to check on, uh, those two uh, on those books again. But, um, you know, I could have gone, uh, you know, long box diving, but, uh, but As in no any event to do, yes, you know, in any event, um, I'm trying to think what I'm going to choose. Bye about you.
1: I am actually in between, uh, X of Swords creation and weirdly enough, uh, well, Spider Man is kind of a potential pick. Spider Woman, excuse me, is a potential pick. Um, but it's probably between, that or X of Swords. Like, that Juggernaut book is also kind of sort of comparing, but I'm not... I don't know if I can give it to that one. So... And Motor She-Hulk, kind of, but,
0: uh, you know. I think I'm going to jump on uh, the Ten of Swords train and make it uh, Ten of Swords creation number one for me as well. Nice.
1: And for myself... Pink, pink. Um... You know, I am going to actually go with uh, I that is a very good pick, but I'm going to go with Spider Woman, um, because that, uh, that is just kind of bananas in a way <laughs> that I kind of it's appreciate.
0: Little, it's a little too. I was about to say it's a little too much in that direction for for me. I do appreciate that it was kind of lighthearted, and there's lots of fun interactions between uh, Jessica Drew and her newfound or newly rediscovered mother, let's put it that way. Right. So, and going down her, her, like I said, I think it was just because I was just so kind of off at how little I knew of her origin. Sure. That made it harder for me to enter into um, the story and kind of suspend the disbelief for a little while. So, Um, which is like the opposite of my experience with uh, Maestro, number two, because I knew it. I was just like, oh, I so this is how it all fits together. So uh that that you know that that kind of uh you know we had like the the uh, the converse uh experiences with those two books. Or at least you know maybe you didn't let that uh hinder your experience on Spider-Woman, so. Yeah. Nah. All right, cool. So uh we'll go to our first ad read of the night before we get to the news. Mhm. Ah, uh, let's start with Funko. Fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us, do it today and we head into the news
1: and we start off as we do every week with the cinematic news um a little bit of mockingbird news here actually so power book two producer has written a solo pilot for adrian palicki um while actor adrian Actress uh, Adrian Pelicki's take on Michael Burr hasn't been seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for some time, which is kind of a crime. Uh, Power Book 2 Ghost uh, co-executive producer and writer Jeffrey Thorne has revealed that he had written a solo pl- pilot for the character. Uh, Thorne asks his followers, what if I had already written a, pl- a pilot for this actor to play this character? Hence, it's not hypothetical. Uh, yeah. The next so yeah. So when asked if he was referring to the scrapped Marvel's most wanted spinoff or pilot pitch, Thor replied, "Pilot." Uh, in a later tweet, uh, Thorin uploaded a sample of the pilot script, which seemingly involved the heroine being on a mission. Uh, stating above the image, "Here's a drip." So yeah, and uh, if you're watching the video, you can see, uh, you know, you can see his tweets right there which as a fan of Mockingbird and as a fan of adrian Pilicki uh in that role and you know i guess her her short role is um in in john wick also i would have loved to have seen how that played off cuz yeah that that Marvel was most wanted thing kind of um didn't never happen well it never happened and since they had written her and um the her husband off of uh, agents of shield and Never to return, then that kind of also sucks. Because I kind of wish they had brought him back, uh, or had been able to bring him back. You know, well, I mean, technically they probably could have, but the way they've written them off the show, it didn't seem like they were ever going to come back. Now, they didn't kill them, but they just like just written them off in a way that seemed like, well, we ain't come back here no more, right? But right, anyway, right. next up,
0: uh, right. Next up, the first WandaVision trailer is totally bonkers, and you'll love it. What does the Marvel Cinematic Universe look like in 2020? It doesn't look like a lot, unfortunately. Um, It's not cinematic, though. It's on Disney+, and it's WandaVision. Uh, Surprising audiences during the 2020 Emmy Awards. So that's why it dropped at that time. I just got a notification like, oh, Hmm. check this out. I was like, oh,
1: okay. Same here.
0: Uh, Marvel revealed its first look at the upcoming show, WandaVision, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, each reprising their roles from the Avengers films, which is extremely a com- uh, complicated when you realize, well, Vision is dead. So the show plays with that by blending familiar sitcom tropes with superhero humor into a package that looks kind of wild, but also insanely fun. You should watch that trailer and figure out what the hell is going on for yourself. <laughs> Or at least try to.
1: Uh, yeah, try to, because there there's are some things that people have picked up, um, have picked up in the trailer with uh, certain characters or whatnot. So, but we, yeah, no one knows what's actually going on with that thing. Did you watch it?
0: I did. It was very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's to say the least. So, it
0: was very, very interesting. I was just like, "Oh, okay, so this is what you know. This is where we might be going,
1: right?" Yeah, they've been they've been kind of playing with that whole sitcom and whatnot thing for, for, the, for the since this whole time, and just just to see the actual trailer is like, "Huh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, I was about to. Say, I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe somehow Mojo is involved, but I doubt that very seriously because the X stuff is not necessarily you know. But we'll see how that happens. But uh, on that note, uh there was also some more images that came around. Uh uh IG and kind of broke down some images from the uh the trailer, which you can look at in our the show notes. Um as I scroll through some of it right here. So yeah. Next up, um don't start. Miss Marvel lands Bad Boys for Life and The Punisher directors. So Miss Marvel has found its directors, and it's the most expansive crew Marvel Studios have put together for a Disney Plus show yet. Bad Boys for Life helmer um, Adil L. Arbi and Bilall Fala have been confirmed to be directing multiple episodes of the series. Something first reported by The Direct earlier this month. A uh, new report from the uh, Hollywood Reporter not only confirms the pair is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it also adds uh, Charmaine Obaid uh, Shinoah, and I apologize so I'm screwing up your names, uh, and Mira Minon will also be b- boarding the project to direct additional episodes. So, cool. And then it just lists their, their, their uh, credits here, which we don't necessarily have to go through, but yeah, some stuff you know. Some stuff you might not know. Okay. Next up.
0: All right. Uh, When we finally get to... I was about to say, maybe I should wrap these two stories together. Yes,
1: yes, actually do that.
0: When we finally get to the Black Widow movie, which unfortunately now, due to COVID-19, has moved on the calendar to uh, May 7th, 2021, making it a summer release uh, the original, well, no, the second date that had been pushed to was November 6th of this year, but now it's been pushed to May 7th of 2021. And that is part of a major overhaul of the Marvel studios film schedule, pushing everything back. Um, in, in, in news related to the black widow movie, the, um, the character, the actress who's playing, I believe Yelena Belova, uh, Florence Pugh says that the Black Widow movie is going to be dealing with the heavy subject matter of the abuse of women. Uh, you know, that is according to the star Florence Pugh. Uh, one of the most interesting things about the film is how far Kate went with it. Kate, I believe, it is the director. Yes. And, uh, you know, the film is about the abuse of women. It's about how they get involuntary hysterectomies by the age of eight it's about girls who are stolen from around the world it's so painful and it's so important it's about obviously this is um using the uh the experience the uh the tactics of the red room as an allegory for things that are happening now around the world so um you know these are important uh topics that uh you know it's it that you don't necessarily expect to see being approached in a superhero
1: movie yeah but when you get uh folks involved that can you know can you know effectively do things on this you kind of get this kind of stuff which is you know refreshing to see because sometimes you just get to see like oh we're just gonna lightly touch it but not really explore the stuff yeah uh from the people who normally get stuff um next up though Spider-Man fan art imagines The Boys star Karen Fukuhara as Silk. Um, Digital artist Malcolm Kenneth creates uh, artwork that features Karen Fukuhara, who currently stars on The Boys, as a live-action Silk. Because there has been talk of a live-action Silk uh, show that is potentially in the works. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, you can see the art here on the um, on the well in our show notes definitely but if you're watching a video and sometimes you maybe you should get some of this stuff uh, you can see the image right here that was off of um, uh, this person's uh, Instagram page looks good Oh, cool you see a little spidey in the background also wait is there another mm. image oh no this is a close up oh, this is a closer up shot Right, cool.
0: Next up. All right, next up, uh, HBO Max recently announced that it has ordered a third season of Harley Quinn, bringing the DC Universe original series exclusively to the new platform. HBO Max celebrated the announcement with an image showcasing Harley and Poison Ivy's romance. Also of note, um, I don't know if you have this further down about what they're doing with DC Universe. I do, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just wanted to note that they are giving people who were d c universe subscribers uh, um what was it, like a free month or two of h b o max something like that there's some sort of uh, offer that they sent out to people
1: well there's also yeah there's the also the current offer um that i think i took over to that we talked about before to where that also kind of applies basically i think they gave the they gave those folks they give those folks like um like a six months dis- discount or something like or rather that to uh no yeah basically the 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 HBO Max stuff was folded into uh the the price of the dis uh DC Universe uh mm-hmm. up until I believe six months well uh, within six months but it's now like three or four more months left or something like that which for people like me who was you know at the start of uh, DC Universe which we you know we'll get into that when we we'll get down to that part um next up the cw is supergirl to end with season six so this was kind of a surprise um the network announced the long running arrowverse series will air 20 more episodes before drawing to a close the sixth and final season of the series will begin production this month with plans to premiere during the cw's 2021 mid-season lineup the reason behind the decision to end the series has not been given at this time. And I will just go ahead and take this next uh story and say that Supergirl's Melissa Benoist promises one hell of a final season. Um after the announcement of Supergirl's sixth season would be its last star, Melissa Benoist shared a heartfelt message message along with the photo of herself from the first season. Uh, To say it's been an honor portraying this iconic character would be a massive understatement, Benoist wrote on Instagram. Uh, Seeing the incredible impact the show has made on young girls around the world has always left me humbled and speechless. Uh, She's had that impact on me, too. She's taught me strength I didn't know I had, uh, to hope in the darkness of places, and that we are stronger when we are united. Uh, What she stands for pushes all of us to be better. She's changed my life for the better, and I'm forever grateful. And you can see the picture that, uh, is, uh, that came along with the caption uh, right here on the video. And on her Instagram, if you will follow her. Next up.
0: All right, next up. Uh, Warner Brothers recently announced its production schedule for the remainder of Greg Berlanti's shows on The CW, including Supergirl, The Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, All-American, Superman, and Lois, Titan. Oh, Jesus. Titans Kung Fu and Stargirl Riverdale and Batwoman resumed production earlier this month amidst the coronavirus pandemic according to Deadline Supergirl plans to start filming its 6th and final season in Vancouver on September 28th as long as the show negotiates a deal with local unions to comply with SAG's COVID guidelines good for them
1: indeed yeah that whole that Kung Fu one was like really are they still doing that huh yeah. um anywho next up Batwoman adds two new characters to the Arrowverse in season two. Uh, the has Batwoman has announced the addition of two additional cast members to the ever-growing roster of, of the Arrowverse. Uh, according to Deadline, newcomer Leah Gibson Jessica, from Jessica Jones and Nathan Owens from De- Devious Maids has been cast as characters named Tatiana and Ocean, respectively. Tatiana is a skilled assassin known as The Whisper who has a fierce loyalty to her boss, Sophia, who we talked about being on the show last week. Uh, uh, it is possible. Tatiana may be in part based on the DC chapter whisper Adair, uh, a member of the league of assassins. Ocean is a Zen gardener and loyal soldier who comes to Gotham looking for a fresh start. So there you go. Next. All right, next
0: up, Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to pre- begin production next month with a number of cast members returning for the updated film. The director will return to the helm of DC superhero team-up film in October, according to The Hollywood Reporter. New scenes will be shot for the long-awaited Snyder Cut of Justice League, which will be released on HBO Max in four installments sometime next year. Um, the new scenes involve Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, and more. Apparently, not Henry Cavill, though.
1: Right. Which I think was another article uh, that came out. So I like uh, Dan Slot's um, um, thing on this. I don't know if you saw that tweet. No. What was um, it? And first of all, I'm just going to go ahead and say is like, first of all, I thought this thing was in the can and, and presumably mostly done. Like, yes, he left production for a while, but supposedly he did. it, it, it they come out and say, like, yeah, it's pretty much mostly done. It was not much. Now we find out that they're they're doing new scenes. But uh, slot basically says, well, I know I'm paraphrasing. He's like, hey, I have a seven. I have a a movie that's already in the can. If I remember, I'm doing this from memory. So I have a memory that's already done. It's already in the can, just ready to come out. I just need seven hundred million dollars to to uh, to to finish it up and bring it back out. Any takers or something like that. So I, I got a I got a nice little uh, laugh out of that. So yeah, this is not a cut business. I just uh, anyway. Next up, um, come on, come on, there we go. Suicide Squad is getting an HBO Max spinoff, starring John Cena as Peacemaker. Who wants this? Who needs this? Why? Uh the I'll, world.
0: I'll say apparently someone who's already seen him in. Uh in Suicide Squad and thinks he needs a a, a spinoff.
1: Well, or specifically James Gunn, probably. Um, but yeah, I guess. I don't even know. Anyway, uh, the world of Suicide Squad is rapidly expanding. John Cena's Peacemaker, who uh, will appear in James Gunn's DC team-up movie next year, is getting his own spinoff movie on HBO Max. We didn't see that coming. We probably should have, though. Uh, I'm over the moon, excited to be working on hashtag Peacemaker with my pals John Cena and producer Peter Seferin on this new uh, HBO Max series from Warner Brothers gun announced on Twitter. Cena added, working alongside... Uh, you know what? Screw that, because this is bro hugs and circle jerks, whatever. Um, as per Hollywood, prefer, per Hollywood Reporter... Gunn will write all eight episodes of the spinoff series and will even direct some of the episodes himself. It will be his first television directorial credit in over a decade. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is not expected to be affected by this news. So, And there's no other story details about what's going to happen. So, uh, And that is the end of the cinematic news. Well, now we transition over to the book News. All right. Uh,
0: Several ideas from uh, Batman the Animated Series have been introduced in the comics which originally inspired the show, such as Harley Quinn and the revamped origin of Mr. Freeze. The most recent aspect of the animated series which has made it into the comics is the fictional mystery man, the Grey Ghost. Interesting. So... Uh, let me open this article and see what is going on here. So this is in oh this was in um, Detective Comics number ten twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't finish reading. I just like I I I barely had a chance to skim through it. So I guess maybe I'll sit down and read it. I know it was uh, PCN underscore Dirt's click of the week last week. So, right. but it's one of those long you know, a million page long anniversary issue, so.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so apparently the great ghost from from the Batman T.E.S. is now canon to a point. Um, so, cool. And I know they're also doing that other um, Batman the animated series, uh, comic series, which they've been, you know, kind of a continuation of it, which I haven't read any of. That's, you know, doing some things in there. So there you go. Just all wrapping back around. Uh, detective comics reveals which villain finally kills Bruce Wayne. And this is also from Detective comics, uh, number 27. Uh, I don't know who this person is. Um, so I don't know if you read that part of D- uh, detective 27 and know uh, anything about that.
0: I skimmed it. Uh, he's kind of like a B level, uh, what will call it B level uh, bad guy for batman
1: right so basically there's this uh we won't spoil who it is but basically this villain apparently <laughs> uh in a
0: very captain marvel fashion
1: yeah apparently hits uh hits batman with a uh a, an AoE and you know which eventually will lead uh to yeah batman's death at some point i suppose um I guess the wait does that. So does that mean that this is also following into like the Batman Beyond stuff? Because I can't remember if it was, uh, I can't remember if it was like cancer or anything like that. That oh, old age. I know, no, it was old age, but he was also he was also had like Suffering. heart problems and something else was going on. I, at least I think I, I may be totally wrong about that part. So I don't know if this is playing into that stuff or not. But that's also, you know. I don't know if that was ever canonized as the way he goes out because that was also from the the cartoon and not, you know. I, I feel like they played with that in the in the comics at some point, but I'm not sure if if, if none of that still still plays, or if they brought that back in. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Next up, next up, uh. The new
0: Batman Catwoman series launching this December has a long history, both in comics history and in the announcement and original plans for its release. Writer Tom King, with uh, frequent collaborating artist Clay Mann, plans to take the Bruce and Selina romance that blossomed in the writer's uh, Batman run out on its own, while the mostly Batman title, while the monthly Batman title with uh, James Tinian the fourth, focused on Bruce's more DC universe-centric stories. And it really hasn't played out like that. It's just very weird. Bruce and Selina's romance has been on again, off again for decades, going back to when Catwoman first debuted in comic books in the past decade or so with Heart of Hush and now King's ongoing Batman story. The two appear to be all in in making their story happen, how that plays with how the Catwoman behaves in Joker War. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to play right out of that. So
1: Yeah, then. Famously, Tom King did not get to finish his run on uh, Batman because he had a whole thing in that, which this was involved with and that didn't end up happening because probably stupid fans and, and higher ups f- cave into that. We don't even know, but regardless, it didn't happen because who wants something different when you can have the same old Batman? Uh, Batman. Speaking of Batman, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman and blank uh, should be DC's trinity. And this is from Batman and Outsiders 16, which I'm pretty sure none of us are reading. Well, Dirt might be actually, now that I think about it, or was at some point. Uh, In the pop culture, the DC Trinity Trinity is one of the iconic symbols around. Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman have all stood tall for years in various comics, cartoons, animated films, and recently the DCEU. Uh, They're a global phenomenon, and it's why the publisher hasn't really tinkered with the lineup. Um. Well, that's sure. Uh, no matter how awesome, how many awesome heroes come up, the, uh, come up from the Justice League's ranks. However, courtesy Car- of Batman and Outsider Sixteen, we find out who Bruce Wayne thinks should be swapped in for him. And the ironic thing is, the Dark Knight's been training this hero recently to max out his potential, and this hero is Black Lightning. Okay, so, yeah. Sure, uh, in DC in the DC Rebirth era, the incarnation of the Outsiders hasn't been handled that well by the Bat. Uh, it's why he wanted Jefferson Pierce not just as an educator, but as someone who is understood fatherhood a little little bit more. So yeah, this kind of goes into a little bit of a back on on how did it all come to be and probably going into that Batman and the Outsiders book. So interesting. Next up.
0: All right, DC has unveiled not just the first look, uh, uh we has a lot of DC news this week. Psst. DC has unveiled not just the first look at the new villain of its u- upcoming endless winter crossover, the Frost King. Oh, yeah, does he have a jingle too when he's selling ice cream? Stop. <sighs> <sighs> Oh, come on, folks. If you listen to last week's show or watch last week's show, you know that I've got jokes for days when it comes to The Frost King, but I'm going to move on. Um, I, I haven't even looked at the character design art from artist Howard Porter on uh, uh, that that is on this web, uh, that is a uh, part of this uh, Newsorama slash Games Radar story. Um, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, DC also added an informal name to the collective of ancient heroes who once fought the mystical menace, Justice League Viking. Oh my god, the pain! Oh, the pain! Oh, the pain! Oh, okay, Dr. Gosh. hold on, hold on, I'm looking for it. Hold on. <gasps> so bad
1: so yeah so we've talked about that also the shades of uh, 1 million BC uh, 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 Avengers things going on right now and I don't know well DC also did a 1 million BC event like way back in the day but which may or may not have anything to do with either one of these but yeah it's it's a thing next up uh, death metal reveals the fate of the hall of justice if if, if um,
0: excellent a-
1: also, I want to hit that other cue. Which one? The Hall of Justice one. Oh, it's uh, the transition.
0: Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice,
1: which I always love that. Um, shout out to the Superfriends. But yeah, apparently this is uh, spoilers from last week's uh, Justice League Fifty Three, which I didn't read, and I think, uh, well, I know you did, Agent Seventy. But basically, it's, um, during this whole Death Metal thing, um. You know, things have been happening, and uh, apparently the Hall of Justice, um, something happens to the Hall of Justice. Uh, And also, oh, right, and they also bring up that um, when they transformed, they made the the Hall of Justice into a Transformer uh, during that uh, Justice League story. Remember that? That's all funny, but uh, but yeah. So something happens in this, uh, uh, to the, or at least the Hall of Justice gets brought up in that, and whatever happened to it, which we won't go into in case you hadn't read it yet or even care. Next up,
0: in September, Suicide Squad number nine by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, DC is going to kill off longtime villain turned anti-hero Floyd Lawton, aka Deadshot. The issue will see Task Force X attempt to take down Ted Kord, but in order to do so, the world's deadliest assassin will have to do the one thing he's never done for the cause, and that is die.
1: So, two things. One, Ted Kord is is apparently back, and wait, is he like the bad guy? Is is he doing to Deadshot as somebody did to him back in, as in Macro Lord did to him? Uh, by the way, know. that is for this week's uh Suicide Squad, which uh which none of us read. Right. Uh but also wouldn't have anything to do with the certain with the certain fact that there's a certain movie uh coming out that does not have Deadshot in it. Huh. Coincidentally. Couldn't possibly yeah. be. You know. Anyway, next up. Um probably should have put this before that, but regardless, uh, from Death Metal, Wally West unleashes the Flash' sequel weapon, and this is a Excellent. spoiler <laughs> for uh, Death Knight, Death Metal, Speed Metal number one, which uh, Agent Seventy has already gone over, but I don't believe mentioned what happened with that part about it. Uh, the TLDR is apparently somebody else comes back, or no, it just talks about um, oh. So Wally West uses a trick from Johnny Quick in some kind of way. I don't know if you remember the, the beats on that, but yeah. If speed anybody
0: wants to. Huh? Right, he brings up the speed formula.
1: Yeah. So that's significant to those who it's significant for. Next up.
0: All right, next up. Uh, what are we up to? Free uh, DC has launched a new free original digital comic book series. Based on the HBO Max uh, series Raised by Wolves, published in collaboration with HBO Max, the free eight-page HBO Max slash Raised by Wolves number one serves as a backstory to the recently launched sci-fi series of the same name by Ridley Scott on Warner Media's streaming service. I have
1: not yet had a chance to watch this. Hmm. Oh, you got to love Synergy, don't you? Uh next up Jim Lee promises a major announcement regarding DC Universe's future uh, to which I will skip uh a couple of, I'm yeah I'm going to skip the next one and add in uh that to this because um, so wait <anos shooting> Oh, wait, DC fans will wonder how the DC Universe subscription center would end up. Agent 7 has kind of already talked about part of that, given that most of its shows have migrated to other channels. According to DC publisher and chief uh, creative officer Jim Lee, the service still has a future. Uh, Lee made an announcement via Twitter after congratulating DC Universe's Doom Patrol on being renewed for season three. Uh, and quotes, uh, stay tuned next week for big news about the DC Universe and its exciting future. To which we already know what that future is because it is becoming, uh, Marvel Universe. I mean, Marvel Unlimited, basically. So there was also news that came out, uh, that. Uh, basically DC Universe is getting rid of all of its uh, video stuff and pretty much going into the Marvel Unlimited route, like I just said, and sticking with the books. Like, if you, if you did not know, DC Universe pretty much had uh, you could read their uh, an archive of their old comic books, but also you could watch their shows and movies, which I kind of liked. I would kind of wish the Marvel Unlimited went that route, but that was not going to ever happen. And apparently corporate synergy or whatever being what it was dc universe is kind of going uh the other way with it which is probably a good move as you know as far as uh keeping it and not just totally destroying that whole thing because it's a pretty good service you know they're they're still coming up they're still adding stuff to it and whatnot but i kind of liked it the way it was but that's just me and apparently that doesn't matter uh, so, yeah, so DC Universe is going to turn into DC Universe Infinite, uh, a premier digital comic book service set to launch on January 21st, 2021. Uh, and this is pretty much from the, the from DC site, anyway, that I'm reading of. With access to more than 24,000 comic books at launch, uh, DC Universe uh, Infinite subscribers will also encounter digital first comic f- books, uh, exclusive access to DC fan events as well as a steady stream of recently released comics six months after the physical versions hit store shelves, which I believe Marvel and Limited is like four to six months. I think they've kind of gotten it down to four, but I'm not entirely sure if they're keeping that up. Anyway, following its initial launch, DC Universe uh, Infinite will be expanding globally in summer 2021. So what are you thinking about that? What's the price on it? It's like six ninety nine or seven ninety nine. It should be yes. It says DC Universe Infinite will be seven ninety nine a month or seventy four ninety nine a year. Right. Which, so it's kind of comparable yeah. to yeah. Yeah, I was about to say if it's not roughly the same price. Yeah, I believe it is actually because I think you know Marvel Unlimited is like either six ninety nine or seven ninety nine. It's one of two. Right uh whatchamacallit. I mean you get the discount if you go with a full year. Correct. Um
0: I you know I, I'm 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 glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that you know if I if I was really into DC I might consider getting the service also. We've gotten use out of it. Well at least I have
1: what's that? I said we've gotten use out of it, at least I have um right but my, my free
0: preview ended yeah uh, at the beginning of the year. Sure. And I got some use out of it. I did watch Titans. I did watch Doom Patrol. But all that stuff's going to be on HBO Max, which I already pay for. Right. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to uh, make use of DC Universe Infinite uh, if I do decide to get it in the upcoming year. Um, I, you know, it's. I don't know if I read enough DC to warrant that. Monthly expenditure or that yearly expenditure.
1: Yeah. So it's also worth noting, though, that, well, one, uh, is DC Universe as it stands right now is fourteen ninety nine and still has the video component. So, and as you said earlier, and as this article says here, um, wait. Oh, executive members or those joining up during the pre order offer when you would receive a special thank you voucher redeemable by the DC shop subject to terms of conditions. Annual subscribers will receive a $25 voucher while while monthly subscribers will receive a $10 uh, $10 voucher. That's for their shop. Uh, Right. But as you said earlier, they're supposed to be getting a discount off of uh, the DC Universe um, oh, wait,
0: yeah. I think it says. It's not you're getting a discount off of HBO Max. HBO Max, yes. Okay. It
1: says, yes, it does say that right here. Subscribe
0: to HBO Max.
1: Right. Uh, special offers for editable, eligible monthly subscribers to upgrade the service to include HBO Max for an additional four ninety nine dollars 99 a month. Uh, for, this is for DC's Universe subscribers already uh, for a limited time, which is now available through October 31st. So I was kind of wondering how they were going to do that because I, I did see that in my thing. I was like, "Well, wait, why is it?" I thought that was an ongoing thing for that, but apparently this is just a limited time thing, which they did not initially say um, or confirm, rather. So, yeah, so you get you can get a HBO Max for an additional five bucks at this point, which I guess I, I see why they did that because now they can basically say, "Well, now, now it's going to the actual actual price." Because, like I said, DC Universe was uh fifteen bucks a month, so that five bucks kind of well partially takes it down because it's going to be a little bit less than that after this anyway. Um, going into the the new service, the quote unquote new service. So, uh, but also worth noting that a lot of DC stuff is on Comixology and Comixology. Uh, Their unlimited service, so. And also a lot of Marvel stuff, so you can kind of get the best of both worlds. And in addition to, like, other companies' stuff through that, it's not everything, but it's a good clump of stuff. And that's, like, six ninety nine. dollars also, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Right, unless you're, you know, like, unless you're an adherent to, like, really making an effort to do a deep dive on something that uh, wouldn't be in comiXology yet, you have to think very hard about maybe
1: sticking to uh, – their the comicsology plus uh, subscription that's correct, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, they again, like I said, they don't have everything, so mm-hmm. and I think they even uh, move some stuff in and out at times, right? Next up, next up, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a dream come true because
0: Daniel Day Kim is Superman mm. after DC fandom's wild ride of announcements and special panel presentations, variety. Debuted an exclusive video from the celebrity-filled charity re-recording of the 1940s Superman radio specials, television and film stars Jason Alexander, Henry Winkler, Giancarlo Esposito, Tony Shalhoub, Alfrey Woodard, CCH Pounder, and more. Gathered together to support the creative coalition with this special performance using original scripts from the decades old Superman radio series, which was recently revived from the Warner Brothers Studios vault. This unique vision of the Man of Steel portrays him in a new and exciting way. Each episode provides a fresh translation with a new cast of actors for each role. For example, both Wilson, Cruz, and Kim get their chance to shine with the red cape, and even Tim Daly, longtime voice of Clark Kent slash Cal L, in uh, the Justice League and the Superman animated series, reprises his role from the past.
1: Okay. Yeah, and apparently Tim, da- Tim Daly is uh, the head of the creator coalition who's uh, who's a part of this. Right. So, there you go. Uh, so, I'm going to go back real quick, because there was one way I missed, but that's not your fault. Um, in that DC's uh, DC Future State uh, publisher teases new event for early 2021, um, and it sounds like it is an event that was first referenced in Detective Comics 1027. So DC has released a teaser for an upcoming event called um, Future State, with all, with the only details being the storyline uh, that will do, debut in January and February of 2021. The Future State teaser is from the just released DC Connect catalog. The naming of the event uh, ties back to another tease for Generations Future State uh, from writer Dan Jurgens and artist Kevin Nolan's Generations Fractured story from Detective Comics 2027, which was released last week. So yeah, there's going to be a new, a new event, and then since they, we know they're getting rid of that, they got rid of that uh, generations event, and you know, five G is not no longer a thing. But I guess this is the one they they got in place of that. All right, so now we can go on to uh, that that bit of news about Miles Spider Man.
0: We can take that too. You'll have fun with it.
1: Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we got a couple of um couple of articles on the new uh, Spider-Man game coming out, or new Spider-Man Miles Morales game. One of them is first Spider-Man Miles Morales alternate alternative costume suit uh revealed in PS5 pre order details. So yeah, you can now pre-order that uh, Miles Morales game if you wanted to. Uh there's all the let's see. It says the launch edition on edition on PS5 gets you access to two exclusive suits alongside another Bunch of goodies when the game hits next gen consoles. Uh, the information comes from a new product listing on a UK uh, retailer Game. So this is a, uh, includes a copy of the game, the T R A C K, aka the Track Suit, uh, seen above, and the yet to be announced second Spidey suit, uh, a gravity well gadget, and three extra skill points. Um, so basically, some extra stuff. But we also come to find out that Sony has confirmed that there is no P- free PS5 upgrade for the PS4 Spider-Man players, which means that if you want the upgraded version of the original or the PS4 Spider-Man game, you would have to get the ultimate edition of the Miles Morales uh, PS5 game. And if you bought the Miles Morales game on PS4, which is, will also be on, again, there is no free upgrade to the PS5 version, apparently. And that sucks because it had come out like a, um, a while or at least shortly after this, uh, it was announced that that would be a thing that was going on. So I don't know why they went back on it or whatever the case may be. Uh, but here's the statement on it. Uh, that says uh, Marvel Spider-Man Remastered is an enhanced version of Marvel Spider-Man uh, game and is included as a part of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition for the PlayStation 5. In addition, players who pur- purchased uh, Miles Morales on PS4 can upgrade at no... Edu- Wait, what? Can upgrade at no extra cost to the PS5 version. Okay, so that is happening? And taking... take advantage of a paid upgrade to download Marvel's. okay 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 I got it I got it so so the Miles Morales game that you can buy on PS4 will get an upgrade to the PS5 version but that version will not come with the uh, the remastered PS4 Spider-Man I got it okay I I read that totally wrong so which means that if you wanted the upgraded Spider-Man like I said uh the original Spider-Man game, you would have to buy the Ultimate Edition which has no upgrade path from PS4. Cool. Next up.
0: Alright. Um. God, what are we up to now? Alright, Marvel's Avengers Weekly Reset adds new priority challenges and a big patch is coming. Developer Crystal Dynamics has detailed the latest weekly updates for Marvel's Avengers. The Weekly Reset has opened... Up to new priority missions during which players have to uncover a shield vault and fend off aim forces in the process of unlocking it. Uh, the rewards for completing these missions will be unique gear that is not yet available anywhere else in the game. Modifiers are also active and include increased uh, cryo damage from players, enemy health regeneration, and toxic hazards. Okay.
1: Noodle alert! Age of 70 loves video game news around here, (laughs) as you can see. Um, But yeah, that's. I was was going to
0: say, I actually happened to be uh, in suburban New York, uh, much to my chagrin last weekend. And I happened to be near, uh, because of COVID, um, stores obviously have to deal with different operating hours. And I was surprised to see a GameStop that didn't open until 12 noon on a Saturday. And I happened to walk by, and there were people standing outside, and it turns out that they were there to do various things, but including the PS5 Mm -hmm. uh, ordering, uh, pre-order. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not standing on this line, you idiots. Uh, (laughs) I will wait and uh, get my PS5 when I'm good and ready. Pretty much
1: yeah and there's yeah the whole xbox uh xbox and ps5 pre-orders thing is the whole thing i don't know why people are still doing it but that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother podcast um speaking of marvel's avengers marvel's avengers patch addresses over 1000 issues um apparently uh hopefully some of that is the, the um the the um the uh the lag and the load times because good god um, anyway, yeah, uh, it's been pointed out by many that Marvel's Avengers feel like two games put together, kinda. But still, some fans argue that on one hand, the single player component is great; it is and feels satisfying in story and gameplay. It does. On the other hand, the live service aspect doesn't mesh well and feels unnecessary. I would agree on that. But what has uh, held several players back is uh, a series of issues with the game itself. This is what Crystal Dynamics addresses in addressed in a recent tweet post um so yeah would not be wrong to say that marvel's avengers launched with numerous issues and not all of these issues were huge or fundamental in its design however they were enough to players to sit and take notice and for crystal dynamics uh, to follow suit in a recent post crystal dynamics outlined 1000 issue fix that it had rolled out on the patch for the game um, it was well known that Avengers issues would need to be fixed before DLC was impl- implemented, so this was definitely get a focus for Avengers: Big Patch. I haven't played the game since my um, well, definitely before this patch. So hopefully, I can go back. I, it'll, it'll be cool when I go back into it, which I plan to doing soon. And I know most a lot of people have finished the game at this point and in doing in game stuff, not in game, but in game. You know what I'm saying. Mm. Next up.
0: Next up, Hasbro has announced Mando Mondays, which runs from October 26th all the way through December 21st and features a bevy of new merchandise from Disney Plus's Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. uh, It's stuff that's coming from companies such as Hasbro, Lego, and Funko. Um, If you head on over to the article over at uh, CBR.com, It shows stuff like a Monopoly Star Wars The Mandalorian edition. There is a Star Wars The Black Series credit collection six-inch heavy infantry figure. Um, uh, Star Wars The Black Series credit collection six-inch The Mandalorian figure. Uh, There is a six-inch Cara Dune figure. uh, A six-inch IG-11 figure. Uh, an Imperial Death Trooper six-inch figure. Where is um? Which is McCall it? There's a three point seven five inch, uh, three and three quarter inch uh, Mando figure. Three and three quarter inch Stormtrooper. There's no which is which we call it. Three and three Baby quarter. What's that? Baby Yoda. No. Uh, what's his phase? Darth he, Gideon. That? No. Um. Christ's sake uh it's the guy that um
1: I have spoken, yes, oh, oh, Nick Notes' character um, um yes. I can't remember his name um yeah, that, apparently there is not a um oh too bad,
0: probably because he died, but well, you know spoiler alert,
1: yeah, well, also so the the character that Ming na played uh Phoenix whatever uh also does not have a feature, feature which is a because we could stand to use another feature of de Moulin delorrien. No, no! I had to bring that one back. Oh. <laughs> Granted, she didn't play a Mandalorian in that one, but still, I still love that joke because I made it. So, right. anyway, yeah. So, yeah, apparently um, there's no armor either. Not a thing about it. Right. But we don't necessarily know the fate of that character. We, we presume a thing, but we don't necessarily know, I think. Or do we know? Because I don't remember... No, because we saw we saw that character fight, but we didn't see what happened to him at the end of it. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of your baby Yoda figures here also. So there's a bunch of figures from the Mandalorian, except with the exception of those ones. Cara Dune's getting two apparently, and so does the Mandalorian. But that's not really saying much. Right. Um, oh, um, i've uh, um, Carl Weathers character doesn't have a figure either. Grief, right? And he's still alive, so. Go figure on that one. Anyway, next up. Um, some comic book news from Thor. Apparently, Vincent D'Onofrio... Yes, that one. Uh, addresses latest issues... possibly Possible adventures in babysitting ties. And this is from Thor 7, which just came out last week. Uh, the latest issue of Thor may have issued a nod to the 80s comedy... Comedy adventures in babysitting. And Vincent D'Onofrio addressed it on Twitter... D'Onofrio responded to a tweet from writer Donnie Cates, who in turn responded to a fan that asked if uh, mechanic Adam Aziz was a reference to D'Onofrio's character in the movie. It says, That I really can't answer. However, in hindsight, it may be all, though it was not intended at the time. Uh, D'O- D'Onofrio wrote, It could be, uh, it could be no just where, wait, wait, it could be no just by, where Thor Cannon has unfolded in this is I'm I'm reading this word for word, mind you. So that, that sounds, that sounds as crazy to you as it does to me rightfully. Um, but it could be no, just by where Thor canon has unfolded in up until now, 2020. So basically he's saying that now nah, it's probably not. Um, uh, but who knows? I mean, who Diana case just said that it wasn't intentional and whatever. So, but he responded to it. So, okay, sure, that's the thing. Next, uh, speaking uh, of Thor
0: number seven, uh, and <laughs> it's it, it's played for comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mjolnir has Tony Stark's name and number inscribed on it after Thor throws it into the middle of Broxton, and fans are encouraged to call Tony Stark, aka Iron Man. How can you call Tony Stark? Iron Man's number is 212, area code 212-970-4133. The number has a New York area code, duh, and is a real working phone line. Callers are sent to the voicemail of Iron Man explaining how the trickery of Thor has thrown him for a loop and advises callers to check out his website, TonyStarkIronMan.com, a landing site for
1: Marvel.com. Right, and apparently, I don't know, if that's, I'm assuming that's what that audio was that, that Dirt put in our back channel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't listen to it, so I was like, "That's interesting." Cool. Uh, Fantastic Four number twenty five adds two additional interior artists alongside new series artist Arby Silva. So, uh, Fantastic Four twenty five has added a pair of artists to his creative roster with Paco Medina and Will Robson coming aboard for the issue to sub- uh, supplement previously announced interior artist Arby Silva as announced in Marvel's Weekly Retailer Mailer. Uh, both Medina and Robson have drawn portions of the f- current Fantastic Four volume previously. The issue, which clocks in at a whopping 56 pages, it's not up, okay, uh, purpose perhaps explaining the expanded art team, uh, is billed as a game-changer for the team, coming just weeks after the recent conclusion of Marvel's Empire, which put the FF at the heart of the co- Cosmic Conflicts between the Kree Scroll Empire and the Kotati. So supposedly that last, um, that last uh, empire Francis four book was supposed to be the game changer one, but apparently it's this book. So we'll see when that ships probably next week or so. Next up,
0: I guess that's when they are go- they're going to make an official change to, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. You know, either a dynamic, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Either officially integrate those two kids into the story, mm-hmm. you know, because we're going to see, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see why they don't try to launch a new, uh, either thing series, you know, that details their family, you know, like apart from the FF family. Sure. Yeah, it's so. like a prime, that seems like a prime, uh, 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 a prime way to, to, uh, relaunch a new thing, another thing series, you know, not and necessarily two out. in one, but thing series right we haven't seen those in a long time right so you're, you're not so you're, so you're saying you're writing this book listen i would call up slot and be like hey you know what do you think about co-writing this book right Right. um <laughs> but in all seriousness um you know i think that's what's going to happen and obviously it's easy when you get to uh, an anniversary style issue number 25 mm-hmm. so uh, right next up um Artist Lionel Yu has announced that this week's X-Men number 12 marks his last as the ongoing series' regular interior artist. He's been the main artist for X-Men since it launched in the Dawn of X era alongside writer Jonathan Hickman. Yu plans, however, to continue as the series' cover artist. Um, He's going to continue as the cover artist in a tweet. He says... Thank you for all your support and encouragement. Enjoy the issue. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see who's going to be. We'll see if there is going to be a regular artist uh, in an in ongoing capacity after I that. I think they Orphan said
1: already. We, yeah, we might have already talked about it already, but I just don't remember who. Um, Marvel renumbers Wolverine number eight as Wolverine 350 in December. So Marvel's ongoing Donovan X era Wolverine title will revert to its classic legacy numbering in December to celebrate the milestone Wolverine 350, number 350. Uh, ongoing Wolverine creative team Ben Percy and artists Adam Kubert and Victor Bogdanovich, uh, will develop, well, excuse me, will deliver an oversized issue for Wolverine 350. The eighth issue, the eighth issue of the current volume that brings back some of the more mysterious aspects of the Weapon X program. So cool. That's the thing. Next up.
0: Uh X-Fans are in for one hell of a holiday gift. Um legendary X-Men writer Chris Claremont is going to return to Marvel's Merry Mutants this December with a one shot that celebrates his long career with the X-Men. The one shot the one shot story focuses on Claremont's co-creation Danny Moonstar of the new mutants as she embarks on an adventure that will take her to a variety of locations and situations depicted by numerous artists, including Brett Booth and Claremont's longtime new mutants artist, Bill Sienkiewicz. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Deserved. Also, you know, uh, next up Shang Chi comic book explores uh, the delves into his complicated family drama ahead of the Marvel studios film. Uh, this is basically an article with the writer Jin uh, Jean Luin Yang, um, but uh, we get uh, well, we pretty much get the, the interview with him and uh, from Newsarama, um, and we find out apparently a little bit more about Sister Dagger in that it is a newly revealed thirteen-year-old little sister to Chang Chi. So, because we talked about the new character coming within the last okay. couple of weeks, so now we got a little bit Altering. more. So anyway, I, wait, say what? Wait,
0: what did you say? I said,
1: <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'm actually debating about getting a physical copy of this myself. Um, but yeah, but you can check out the the article uh, in itself and the, the interview there in the show notes. Next up.
0: Alright, it's been nearly 30 years, oh god, making us all feel old, since Peter David and George Perez introduced comic readers to the Maestro, the evil future version of the Hulk, first seen in Marvel's Hulk Future Imperfect. The origin of the character is currently being unveiled in David and Herman uh, Peralta's new Maestro miniseries, and David says he has additional plans for the despotic villain in the series' aftermath. David acknowledged long term plans for the Maestro in an interview with Previews World and how the character has been on his mind for some time. I've had the general thoughts for the story rattling around in my head for decades, David said, regarding the Maestro's origin story. Okay. So I'm. And he, from... has, and he has plans for the Evil Hulk beyond his new miniseries.
1: Right. So I'm. Kind of wondering about something because I just remember something that happened in the in the issue this week, uh, and I doubt this is going to be the case because that'd be kind of lame. But um, Hulk, before he gets to New York, ends up running across a bunch a bunch of insects that attack him and kind of takes him down uh, to a point. Uh, and I kind of wonder if that's going to be the catalyst for him becoming the maestro. Well, I mean, outside of you know, you know. I guess whatever else was going on in this world, but I, I, I feel like that might sound like something they would do. It was like, no, nah, it's because of these insects. They stung him a lot. So now he's starting to go evil. I don't know. That'd be stupid <laughs> if that was the case, but anyway, next up. I'll also say, let's hope not, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Marvel legends brings back brings Iron Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man and more to new Hasbro retro line. Uh, so we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show. Um well to point anyway, Hasbro has created a true blast from the past with this new retro wave of Marvel Legends figures. The wave consists of six figures divided across three two figure packs. Uh, each figure stands at three point seven five inches tall and is inspired by the retro respective excuse me uh hero or villain's appearance in the sixties or seventies in Marvel Canon uh the figure also the figures also come on Blister Cars packaging and features uh, premium design and detail, as well as five points of articulation. And they're also available for pre order right now. So we can see as we scroll down, uh, you can see this on the video the packaging for this stuff. We got a Black Panther and Captain America one. You can see the box from that. And you can see the figures as a cat figure. This is a Black Panther figure. I will probably be getting that one. Uh there's the two from Iron Man and Cyclops, weirdly enough. Uh and you can see, you know, the the Mark II classic uh retro version of Iron Man. Uh, and there's of course old Cyclops. Or you know. Yeah. Uh and also Spider Man Electro, which you can see the figure you can see the box here, and the figures there. You think you're picking up any of this?
0: No. They don't bend at the knee or the elbow. Come on.
1: Yeah, I did see someone. I think I saw in the tweet about this, somebody mentioned about the uh, articulation of it. So, which I,
0: I get. I mean, it. full size. It's the GI Joe size. It's the it's the it's the Star Wars
1: size. The original Star Wars size, it's three quarter inch. Right. So, so I that's it. what's
0: cool. But at the same time, come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess I get it. But that's still novel, and I might still end up getting it. Well,
0: listen, for p- people who are either completists or just want to have certain things for their collection, maybe they like that style of articulation. It's not my cup of tea.
1: Yeah, you know, or don't care one or two. Yeah. You know. Next up,
0: uh, IDW is going to tell retell the origin stories of some of Marvel's most popular superheroes again, but this time for middle grade readers as part of their Marvel Action line.
1: Cool, right? So they already have a line that's kind of doing this already in comic book form. So I'm not entirely sure. Oh, I guess this is reprinting all uh, a lot of stuff they they've already done. I'm assuming just with the uh, the origins. You got me. Yeah, because look, so that Marvel Action line has already been going on, and they have uh, a bunch of books uh, in that line. So for that reason. But I don't know if any of them actually had the origin stories or just they just hit the ground running on stuff. Who knows? But it's out there. Give these to your little ones or your big ones. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm trying to remember if I've ever even tried to read some of that stuff, but I don't think I have. So, anywho, IDW as senior editor for kids, middle grade and young adults. Um IDW Publishing has added Erica Turner as the new senior editor of original content where she will focus on acquiring and developing a, a original IP for kids, middle grade and young adult readers. She comes to IDW from um Houghton Mifflin Harcourt uh imprint Versify where she was the most recently senior editor and was previously editorial project manager. And she says, uh, I'm passionate about harnessing the power of literature to empower younger people, especially those from traditionally underrepresented backgrounds, she said, of her new role. Then there's uh, a couple of other people they've added. Uh, One, Jeff Bruston has joined the division as vice president for kids, family, and animation. Uh, And Daniel Kendrick has joined the entertainment division as director of animation overseeing development and production of animated series. So cool. Congrats to IDW for that. Next up.
0: Gravity's wall. uh, Gravity's wall, actually. Gravity's wall. Creators Ram V and Anand RK have reunited for a new original graphic novel about creativity entitled blue and green. Quote, ever since Anand and I finished our previous project, we'd been talking about creating a book that made use of his more painted style. V tells Newsarama. I had a story in mind that combined my love of haunting jazz and anecdotes of artistic struggle using them as a window to look into a character's downward spiral. Much like my other projects, the ideas just all seem to fit. Blue and Green centers on Eric Dieter, a musician dealing with a creative downturn in his life while also wrestling with the death of his mother.
1: Okay. Yeah, cool. That sounds interesting. Uh, Last but not least... Uh, new Archie comic books to release day and date on Comicsology, which I believe that started this week. Fans of Archie Comics have, may already be celebrating the 8th anniversary of the Rubberdale gang, but the comic comp publisher has saved some of its most exciting news until now. Uh, thanks to a newly expanded relationship with Comicsology, the leader in all things digital comics, Archie and Friends will be coming to readers of both physical and digital issues side by side uh, on release date. Um, and apparently, yes, like I said, that release date is this week's, starting with this week's run. Uh, new com- new Archie Comics titles will release day and date on Comixology Unlimited, marking the first time a major U.S. comic uh, publisher provides both physical and digital prints of an issue on the same date of publication to subscribers of the digital service. So, cool. If you know you like Archie Comics, there you go. And that folks is the end of the news uh section we've got one more ad read before we uh hit out
0: our last ad read of the night is for wink the personalized wine club wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door from rosé to cabernet to torronte. wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover ever try an orange wine wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink that's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c wink wines through cspn do it today
1: and as we come to a close of another episode of uh, combo con like to thank each and one for you for coming out we appreciate you much I have been RiderCat. a cat. You can find me at write on Twitter. You can also find me at news. Needs need on Twitter. You can also find me on TV caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Maybe we can get him streaming some video games when he gets one. <laughs> That was the response I probably expected. Uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com and all his umbrella sites therein. And also, uh, I guess he's still doing this, but uh, Bite uh, the the Vine replacement, if that even's still around. Actually, um, where he's doing comic reviews over uh, on Comic Review, uh, yeah, Comic Reviews, no vowels. Uh the Osiris that is ish, Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. Uh p- um I know uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, uh CB Cron on Twitter, which is the the Combo Chronicles uh, account. You should go check that out. Um you know, give us send a, send a message there, we'll see it. You know. Questions there also if you want to. You know, hashtag Combo Chronicles also, you know, check that out. Uh, but also, you can see Tim over at uh, Comic Book Resources, where he's writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here program on the Coast of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, or the Coast of Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. But you can also find us uh, Well Recording this very program If you're not watching right now uh, At the time of this recording On uh, YouTube At the the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel But you can also see us streaming uh, On Twitch Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles And that is every Thursday night 9.30ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time On those places and of course the audio version of this program comes out uh, sometimes during the weekend probably by Saturday on, uh, on the CSPN.us and you should check that out if you're not catching the live version uh, and with that folks uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Common Book Chronicles uh, peace peace one We'll go Wakanda forever